a weekend full of high-profile matchups, championship contenders, and teams trying to turn their fledgling seasons around. We take you through the highly anticipated matches this weekend in Europe. Could Arsenal finally break their eight-year hijinks against Manchester City? And with recent drama involving human error and VAR, it really begs the question, what can be changed to fix the problem? I'm Redbeard. This is Targo. Join How's it us going, as we guys? Break it all, <laughs> join us as we break it all down. This is an all-new episode of Bruise and Banter, and it starts right now. week eight in the premier league let's get started man we had luton against tottenham tottenham hey tottenham. Hey, hey you forgot oh, something. i guess i'm forgetting something right what are you drinking <laughs> it's all right now I we're forgot. even i've done this before um you I really want to drink your beer you said that i do i do because it it's from humble abode it's their newest scotch ale but it's called from the shire scotch ale Oh, okay, Frodo. Let us know what it's about. How is the Scotch Mm. ale? Ooh, that is good. Oh, goes good with Mm. supper, dinner, breakfast, brunch. Yeah, don't forget second breakfast, second dinner, (laughs) second breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget supper either. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's very light on the Scotch at the end. So half, yeah, it's an okay six point eight percent. I was about to say what percent. Yeah, crisp at the front, scotch at the end. Because I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Down into my belly. belly. Here it goes. Well, I am not as cool as you. I am drinking a gin and tonic. Nice and light. Yep. Very refreshing. Cheers. Yeah, nothing like that to try to remember summer since it's seemingly over. I don't know. It was still warm here, so I'm still pretending it's summer. Okay. We but let's move on to match week, match week eight in the Premier League. As I said, we're going to start with Luton versus Tottenham. Ended 1-0 for Tottenham. It did. Barely got away with it, man. Luton had some chances to equalize, but couldn't get the breakthrough. I will say Tottenham looked good that first. Oh, to the red card, which we'll talk about. But they created yeah. lots of chances. Yeah, and somehow they didn't score. I still don't know how that didn't happen. Uh, but I think the shooting was subpar in this one, or at least finishing. Yes. But yes, let's talk about <laughs> the second yellow or red card, whatever one you want to talk about. Second yellow hilarious. for red. <laughs> it's hilarious. <clears throat> yeah, Ibasuma, man, sent off in first half stoppage time, receiving a second yellow card for diving. <laughs> he had already committed a foul, got a yellow. And now he gets a second yellow for diving. And it was a blatant dive. Yeah, it is completely obvious. Like, Ref was having none of it. Just walked straight up to him. Yellow card, red card. Oh, my God. But, like, why is the biggest question. You're on a yellow card. Even if you think you might get away with it, why risk it? Why dive? I think he he felt an arm, because you can see someone does put an arm kind of on his shoulder, a hand, but it's just a bare, you know, barely grazes him. But I think he feels that, tries to go down, sell it. 
Ref wasn't Next, you're going to say the guy blew in his ear. <sighs> it was pretty much Knocked that. Knocked him yeah. over. <laughs> that, that would have equated to, yep. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, moment of, I guess, a lapse of judgment for Eve Basuma. It was. So Madison has a fantastic run, kind of at the edge of the edge of the box, crosses it in short, for short short corner. Yep. Yeah. Mickey yeah, Van- cross it in for Mickey Vanderven. Poke it in. What a run by James Madison, though. Oh, fantastic run. How great Man. has Vanderven been, though, for Spurs? I, I would give him a, a minus. He's made a couple of mistakes, but compared to their other center backs, <laughs> Eric Dyer, nine day, Eric Dyer, Christian. Uh, oh my god, brain fart. Are you thinking of Romero? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that's. Anyways, I need more of this. Apparently, <laughs> got to get your your brain going. Yeah, the juice is flowing. But yeah, Christian Romero's he- terrible. His first yeah. couple games, Van de Vins were not the best, but I feel like he's definitely grown into that position. He's shaken off those new team jitters, and I think he's playing fantastic. Yeah, of late. And got a goal on top of it. He did. I will say, Luton had probably one of the worst misses of the season at a bio. <laughs> Cross far post, and somehow he bundles it the wrong side of the post. For... I know. I felt so bad. It pretty much sums up Luton's season so far. <laughs> yeah it wasn't the best I will say they're still out of the relegation zone somehow somehow uh, sitting in 17th less, less goals scored against or conceded but I mean with James Madison aside and how good he's playing and Mickey Vanderven, are Spurs punching above their weight right now sitting in first place in the Premier League I know it is early though it is it is early I don't think they'll be there come the end of the season. But they're playing fantastic. I definitely think they're a top four team right now in the Premier League. As far as the way teams are playing? Oh, yeah. But I'll be honest with you, no one's really convinced me that they're going to be the dominant team, especially with City dropping their form as of late. I mean, even you think of City and Liverpool and Arsenal. But I will say Tottenham are playing well. I think injuries could really sideline Tottenham if yeah, Madison were Madison to get hurt or hurt. Son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they would be in big trouble. Yeah, I agree. Especially, Especially Madison. Madison. Yeah. 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 But moving on, we had Sheffield United bottom dwellers facing Fulham. This one ended 3-1 to Fulham at Craven Cottage. I wonder who could have predicted that. You Everybody thought maybe at- this was going to be a snooze fest, though, and four goals? I, did. I would say it was not. I was wrong with that. I will say that. Fulham, and I mean, you were wondering where Fulham's goals were going to come from, and this was. They scored three, came from somewhere. They did. So, yeah, Fulham, they finally got the break for, breakthrough in the 53rd minute through Bobby de Cordova Reed. Fantastic counterattack, fantastic ball from Andres Pereira. What, what a peach of a ball! Great team goal. For them to get on in the 53rd. But Sheffield United got one back from a pretty terrible OG from our American yeah. brother, Anthony Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it almost looked like he would just, he didn't stop running. 
He didn't stop because running. The ball did take a couple his... deflections getting to him. And it hit off of his uh, planted leg and went straight into the net. So I I feel bad for him, but he had to be quicker than that. <laughs> yeah. But Fulham would get the lead back in the whatever time. 68th minute. Yeah. Nope, not the 68th. That was Robinson's. But they got one back from Tom Unlucky. Kearney. He took a shot. And talk about unlucky, man. It bounces off the crossbar. And then onto Fodrinum's back and into the goal. 76 minutes. 76 minutes. I knew it was just a few minutes later. But talk about unlucky, man. This shot takes a deflection on the way to goal. Then bounces off the crossbar, off of Fodrinum, and in. <laughs> That's happened more than once this season. Not to Fodrinum, but just overall. <laughs> it's like... How unlucky do these goalies keep getting? It's already hard enough to keep clean sheet. <laughs> it really is. We saw it happen to Pickford here a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Pretty unlucky one there. And William would get the third and second half stoppage time. Good to see him get on the score sheet. It is. It is. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, he was disappointing most of the game. But right at the end there, found some legs, started playing a little bit better, and popped up with a goal. Moving on, we had Burnley at Turf Moor playing Chelsea. Chelsea came out 4-1 winners. Chelsea scored four goals. Four. I will I will say, though, because Burnley scored the first goal in this match, <laughs> that it almost looked like Chelsea, with how dominant they were, they were begging for, a, like, a lifeline. Like... Can I make a phone call to a friend? Phone a friend. <laughs> phone a friend. Because it took an own goal for them to get their, like, actually get going. And once they did, man, they were lights out. But until that point, I was looking like Burnley could pull one out in this one. Yeah, Burnley went up early. And Chelsea had to fight back. Like you said, that own goal. That was kind of a, was it a shot or a cross from Raheem Sterling? I believe it was a cross. And they loops over the goalkeeper but Raheem Sterling man had himself one heck of a game against How Burnley good was he man Fantastic. I guess he should I guess he should be snubbed for the England team more often if it makes him play like that for Chelsea holy cow was he on fire I mean he won the penalty kick for Cole Palmer to put them ahead in the 50th minute he scored a absolute peach of a goal from an impossible angle in the 65th I mean, and then he had a fantastic run for the third, which he crossed, and then uh can't remember who crossed well, it in for Nico Jackson, and Nico Jackson yeah, had some either. lovely footwork in yeah, but I mean, when you're up three one, everybody has confidence, right, like everyone just wants to get on the score sheet, so yeah, Chelsea's problem it's not gonna be scoring, it's gonna be scoring their first goal. Obviously, because it <laughs> took them so goal. long to score one. But once they score their first goal in the game. They get going, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, if teams can keep them out of the net, they pull fast ones on them all season. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, they're great on defense. I mean, they don't let in a lot of goals. They only let in, I guess they've let in seven. But, I mean, that's better than Liverpool. Same as Aston Villa. Better than Newcastle. 
Oh, wait. Sorry. Villa's let in 12. But, yeah, it's better than most teams above them. Even Tottenham have let in eight. So it's, the, I mean, the, yeah, their defense hasn't really been the, the subject. It's really been it's been their offense. I mean, a lot of these games yeah. that they were losing or drawing, it was 1-0, 1-1, you know, things like that. Where they, they couldn't finish their chances. Yeah. Especially Nico Jackson. Especially Nico Jackson. <laughs> He's but, such but, a good player, too, and I hate to see it. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I, I love he to see it. He did look good in preseason, but... He looked great in preseason, but so did all of Chelsea. Even Mihailo Mudrik. <laughs> We've seen what look, what he looks like now, so... I... <laughs> Speaking of anyway. looking like now, man, Vincent Company and this Burnley team. Last year, we were playing fantastic in the championship. They move up to the Premier League, and they are not looking very fantastic at all. No, they look downright awful. <laughs> Their only win is against Luton. So, and it was lucky, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Vincent Company, his problem is he has no plan B. He wants to play like Manchester City with a championship team. <laughs> and you, it's showing. And, yeah, and you're playing in the Premier League where the teams are, I don't want to say 10 times better, but they're significantly better than the championship. But how long does this go on before Burnley think about sacking Vincent Company? I think with the way he's performed last season, I probably past Christmas, I would say. So past but, Christmas, like, you give them. If they're still in the relegation zone, though, past Christmas, you're... Uh, I, I'm i more saying for, I mean, not that they're going to spend a bunch of money in January, but it's more of a, I don't know how much past January, depending on where they're at. If they continue this trajectory, there's going to be a gap in points between 18th and 17th. So, yeah, I had no idea. They'll be safe I, from finishing last, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> Sheffield <laughs> United is way worse than they are. But they're not far off, man. No, they're not. So, and so I, it, it it could be time for Vincent to go. I mean, they yeah. they need to start getting points. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? Let us know. Comment down below or wherever. Honestly, let Does us Vincent know. Vincent Company make it past Christmas? Yeah, give us an over under. <laughs> He is in the hot seat, that's for sure. That's for but, uh, sure. Speaking of another club in the hot seat, Manchester United took on Brentford at Old Trafford this weekend. I see, I see what you did there. That was good, huh? <laughs> that was good. Manchester United running away 2-1. A late snatch and grab from Scott McTominay, man. You mean the Scottish Ronaldo. <laughs> the Scottish Ronaldo, is that what he is, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you why in a little bit. But holy crap, they did not deserve to win this game. Not the way that first half went, no. <laughs> but they, I will say, they, I mean, Manchester United had an interesting lineup going into this one. So it was a back, I don't know if you want to call it a back five, I guess I would. Maybe a back four with Dallow, Harry Maguire, Johnny Evans, and Victor Lindelof. So you had three center backs, which, hey, they played a center back at left back. I wonder who was wonder saying who that. Thought of that one. Weird. Amrabat played in the midfield where he should. He should. 
And so I, I kind of liked the lineup. You know, it, it kind of changed. Amorabat would kind of drop into that left. Rashford was sometimes up along Hoyland, sometimes on the left. It was interesting tactics from Ten Hag, I will say. It looks like the I mean the whole squad in general needs some time to work on that for it to actually click properly, but I mean he might be onto something there. How do you feel about Mason Mount? He got the move to Manchester Trash. United. He's you want played the shorter in four the long games. Answer. Give me the take I'll take the long answer. Okay. What are your thoughts on Mason Mount right now, Manchester United? Well, I mean, Mason Mount was, I mean, arguably Chelsea's best player two years ago, right? Like he was having a fantastic season. Seemed like nobody could stop him, and he was only going to go up from there. And then a couple of injuries, sat on the bench, didn't play well last season, gets his, I, I guess, dream transfer to Manchester United. He's continued that same form. I don't know what Manchester United were hoping they were going to get from him. But if it was anything from last season, I mean, you knew exactly what you were going to get, and it was going to be nothing but disappointment. And that's what it's been, is disappointment, yeah. honestly, from him. Yeah. <clears throat> I, he, it looks a shadow of himself from two years ago. I mean, it. I've heard comparisons of him and Kai Havertz, like which one's going to actually hit the ground running and capture their old form, but and neither one of them right now, I would say, looks like no, they're going to be neither. as good as they used to be. <laughs> Mason Mount's definitely the worst of the two. I will give that. But Do you think Bruno Fernandez in that midfield is hindering Mount? Could be. Maybe he needs more of a more closer to a number 10 role. I mean, That's he did that for Chelsea. That's what he had in this game. But... Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. The jury's still out for me. He's only had a few games. Don't get me wrong. He's done nothing in these games and has looked terrible, but I will give him a few more to settle at his club, new club, and we'll see where he can go from there. I'll tell you what. Like this video if you think Mason Mount's been shit. Subscribe (laughs) if you think he hasn't. (laughs) Or do both if you think he's been crap. Whatever. There you go. But uh, Brentford, they took the lead in this game through Matthias Jensen. He got his third goal of the season in the 26th minute. I mean, what a comedy of errors for this goal. United had a chance to clear it, failed at that. Onana should have saved it, failed at that. His hand goes over the ball. Again. Again. Why didn't, why, I just, I don't understand his decision making. That ball's not far from him. Two hands. Parry it, if nothing else. Why try to do a one-handed save by the ground? Your hand's going to lose every time. It wasn't a hard shot. It was a, you know... Yeah. I don't want to call it a slow roller, but it it wasn't the fastest shot. And he should have saved it. 100%. And like Luton hitting the wrong side of the post, an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, this goal also sums up Manchester United season. (laughs) It does. It's a comedy of errors. Errors, defense, <laughs> goalie making a mistake. How they got on? Why they went and bought Onana for that much, man? I don't know. The other keepers I mean, based they off last season. I'm sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So far this season, maybe it's just a curse on their goalkeeping position. I don't know. Tavidea has cursed him since they let him leave, huh? Yeah, there's a little voodoo magic sitting at home because he still doesn't have a team. By the way. That's crazy. (laughs) 
But like we had said, United got two goals in second half stoppage time. I think it was the 94th and 97th minute. Scott McTominay with both goals. Harry Maguire with an assist. Yeah, and it was a peach of an assist, too. Nice header he back pretty, into the middle. I'll give credit where credit is due. He had a pretty decent game. Not going to lie. Maybe it's because he's paired with Johnny Evans and, well, they have a good partnership from Leicester City. Albeit that was, what, like six years ago? I don't know ago? if they were even at Leicester at the same I, time. They were. There's, I've seen pictures. <laughs> those pictures. I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> All right. I'll make sure to text you one. Uh, okay. But, I, yeah, I want to talk about the first goal from McTominay. Okay. What a touch that came out of nowhere. Foot's above his head, and it's like glue. Just sticks to his foot, brings it down, puts it in the bottom corner. Holy shit. I haven't seen that since, well, Ronaldo. Since ever. From Scott. (laughs) Every once in a while, he comes up with a banger goal, man. Every once in a while. Dude, he's leading scorer for European qualifiers for Scotland. Is he really? Yeah. And leading scorer in in the qualifying round. I don't know why. I don't know how. Maybe Manchester United should try that more often. Just where would they put him? They spent about sixty million or eighty million, whatever it was, on Mason Mount. I'm just saying, use him as a sub more often. He doesn't even get used as that very often. So, but yeah, Maguire, beautiful headed cushion header across. McTominay wins it for them. In the 97th minute, and I'm pretty sure this is United's first ever come-from-behind win in stoppage time. Ever. Alone in stoppage time. <laughs> yes, ever. <laughs> so They desperately needed McTominay, those points, though, man. They did, and you could see how much it meant to Scott, too. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> All right, moving on to a couple of teams that will probably be fighting in that relegation zone. We had Everton versus Bournemouth. Everton, man, we got the Everton of a couple of weeks ago running out three nil winners over Bournemouth and deserve it three nil winners. Oh, very much so. But I will say, I don't know if this is how good Everton was in this game or how bad Bournemouth is. Oh, well, we'll get to how bad Bournemouth are. I do want to talk about them. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, yeah, Everton, they got the scoring started. James Gardner in the eighth minute, so nice and early. It was a pretty unfortunate slip from uh, the center back for, for Bournemouth. Tried to dribble out, slips, gives the ball right to Gardner. It was like three on one. Second goal was a golazo from Jack Harrison. My jaw hit the ground. Literally. Watching this goal. <laughs> How he managed to finish that on a one-time volley? Wild. Like that? Just only one word for it, and it's wow. Fantastic finish. Would recommend checking that one out. Yeah. And then the player who sometimes may be good, which was this game, the Corey man, got his got a goal in the 60th to round it out. I will say, fantastic black block on the line from Jack Harrison. And then Decoria was just kind of there to tap a Give a little tap a <laughs> We'll tap it in. But Bournemouth, man, they're in trouble. They do oh, not look God, good. Are they? are they? 
They don't what have a win it, this like, season. Was it like two weeks ago we were talking about the three promoted teams looking like they're going to be relegated? I think Bournemouth listened to us and said, hold my beer. We can because, be relegated too. Yeah. Like, oh, you want a battle? We'll make it a battle uh, because we're worse than at least two of them. Holy crap. And I feel like with their players, you know, you look at Sheffield's team, you look at Luton, Burnley's teams, Bournemouth's team on paper look better. Yeah. I mean, you got Luis Sinistera, Justin Cliver, Amon Traore that were on the bench, Tyler Adams, albeit he's been injured played, all season. Played half a game. Yeah. And so, I mean, I remember Sinistera from last year at Leeds. He was a fun, quick winger. And so, What's going to happen to Andoni Iraola? I hope I pronounced that way. Andoni Iraola. Spanish yeah. coach. Came from Rio Vallecano. I thought he did fantastic for Rio, but that's La Liga. This is the Prem, man. It's yeah. it's not working out Completely for him. different animal. Yeah, and I, Gary O'Neill, right, was the last coach. And look at what he's doing at Nottingham Forest, if I'm not wrong. Wolves. Right? Wolves. Okay, look what he's doing at Wolves. And we'll get to them in a little bit, but. I think uh, the Bournemouth board might have uh, made the wrong decision there. I can tell you they for sure made the wrong decision there. Gary O'Neill did fantastic with Bournemouth at the end of the season. They got fantastic results, got them comfortably safe. I would have liked to have seen what Gary O'Neill could have done with a whole preseason. And the players that they have now. Yeah, I would have too. But, I mean, you just look at where Wolves are compared. I mean, they beat Manchester City. They beat, they almost beat Manchester United. Should have tied um, Manchester United. Should have tied or won that game, honestly. Uh, Had a good game this week against Villa, which we'll get into. Yeah. But, I mean, they're they're looking like they're on the up and up after, you know, what we thought after the beginning of the season was that they were going to be in the relegation battle. We did figure Bournemouth would be down there, yeah. Oh, I was talking about Wolves. Oh, Wolves, yes. I for sure thought Wolves were going to be down there. Yeah, yeah. And they're looking much improved and much better under Gary O'Neill. So, yes, I think you are right. They did make a terrible decision and mistake. All right, let's move on to, I guess, the snooze fest of the weekend. It was Crystal Palace against Nottingham Forest. (laughs) This one ended nil-nil. Still no Michael Elise, no Abricha Eze for this game. He was out injured. You know, this one was kind of a back and forth. Honestly, my favorite moment from this game was Forest center back Morillo. He had a freaking amazing slaloming run, cutting through that Palace defense, man, like butter. And then his shot goes right at the goalie. Finish (laughs) like a defender. Right at the goalie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. How much better do Forrest look this year than last year? Well, I mean, you've called them my new favorite team multiple times. So, you know, I would say very much a lot better than last season. And and this is with Awani out right now. He was not in this game, yeah. Yeah. And he's, in my opinion, and probably most people's opinion, their best player. So, yeah, I mean, they're looking much improved. I think they'll be comfortably safe. And maybe even flirting with up near 10th place. 
Who? 10th? Potentially. They're in ter- 13th right now with 9 points. So 10th is Manchester United with 12 points currently. And I, I don't expect them to get much higher either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Chelsea are in 11th, and who knows what they're going to do. They're a wild card. Hey, they are a wild card. So another team that's been kind of a wild card this season with either huge wins or unsuspecting losses, Newcastle played West Ham. Yeah, who themselves have been a surprise this season. Yes, they have. This one ended 2-2. West Ham kind of got off to an early start through a Socek, Thomas Socek, some lovely play by Fulham. West Ham. West Ham, sorry. <laughs> and then it, and then it was the Newcastle show, man. After that goal, it was all Newcastle. I mean, this game was mostly Newcastle. West Ham were very comfortable sitting back, defending, looking to break on the counter, which they do very effectively. Second half rolled around, and Newcastle looked like a completely different team. Finally getting some shots on goal, creating chances. Isak scores two goals. The second goal, man, beautiful cross to Trippier, who first times it across the box <laughs> yeah right to probably the easiest goal that alexander isak will ever score <laughs> just it right was a beauty yeah right in and then right at the end 89th minute the new boy the big star they bought muhammad kudis gets his first goal for west ham beautiful strike S- gets a point play. yeah yeah but I, I want to talk about Bruno Gimaraes in this one. Okay. I mean, it was, there's another incident that happened this weekend. VAR couldn't take a look at it because no card was given. But he got a yellow card early for a bad tackle and then should have been given a second yellow in this one for another bad tackle, but wasn't given it. I mean, we're going to talk about this exact same thing in the Arsenal versus Man City game. It's similar to their Kovacic. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a yellow card, man. The second tackle was a bad tackle. It was, I think, James Ward-Prowse was through, got got mm-hmm. away on the break. Gimaresh gets there late, catches Prowse, he goes down. No yellow. It's The consistency is what's getting me, because we saw it a couple weeks ago, Liverpool and Tottenham, where Jota got two yellows mm-hmm. or something similar. It's almost I mean, like were... the refs and VAR are now afraid to send people off because of backlash. But I mean, they got to be consistent is the thing. Yeah. I I don't understand it. It should have been a red card and this game would have been turned on its head. Because that was very early in this game. Very early. Yes. So, so I, I, again, I thought it was the wrong call. I thought it should have been a second yellow. But we'll let us know what later. you guys think. We'll get into that later, too. Yeah. yeah. But let us know what you think. Should Bruno Guimaraes have been sent off? I think yes. I also vote definitely yes. So a game where a player was sent off was in this one. Wolves against Aston Villa at the Molyneux. This one ended 1-1. And that Korean guy, man, with another goal. He, <laughs> Wang Hee Chan, man. He continues his hot form, man. I said he should have been starting like six weeks ago. <laughs> finally the starts game. <laughs> finally starts again, second game in a row, and they play well. 
yet again. Scores again. Yeah. <laughs> He's got five <laughs> goals in eight games. He's doing pretty well. I will yeah. say, Pedro Neto had a fantastic run to set him up. He has also had a fantastic season so far. He put Pau Torres through the wash cycle to <laughs> to get that ball to Chan for the goal. But Pau Torres made out for it, man. Just two minutes later, he got on the end of a was it a free kick cross? Mm-hmm. Put it away. And then Mario Lamina, man, two yellows. Tackle for a yellow and then an obvious pull of the shirt. Got yeah. him a second one. Yeah. What should have happened in the other two games happened in this one. <laughs> yes. Again, like you said, inconsistency. I don't get it. But Wolves, but, man, they're flying high right now. They're sitting in 14th on eight points. So they're, they're still kind of flirting with that relegation zone. But they're I will say they're playing well. They're playing these top teams well. They, first half against Liverpool, I think it was a week ago, they played great. They just are two weeks ago because they just beat Manchester City a week ago. Should have got a result at Old Trafford against Manchester United. Robbed. Yep. And here against a high flying Villa team who just thumped Brighton. They got Mm -hmm. a draw. Yeah. Will they be able man? Will they be able to sustain this form all season? I think as long as Gary O'Neill is there, yeah, and they can keep some of these players, because I that's what worries me. I, I think Pedro Neto might be going along with maybe a couple other players. And if that happens, uh, I worry. Well, I mean, it's like all other teams when players leave is, can you find a suitable replacement? This summer, they were not able to find any replacements. So I couldn't afford is, to find any replacements. Gonna, well, that's what I'm saying. Is that going to change if they lose one of their big stars? It could. I don't know. You guys let us know. Comment a player that you think is going to leave and who would be a good replacement or if Wolves will even be able to replace them. Because I think Pedro Neto especially will be very difficult to replace. So, on to our other games around Europe. We had some big, big games Starting in Germany in the Bundesliga, we had Borussia Dortmund against Union Berlin. This one, this one ended four to two. We said it was going to be a goal fest. It did not disappoint because both teams leaking goals at the moment. And I mean, looking at the form, Dortmund's won four on the bounce. <clears throat> Union have lost their last five. They have now lost five in a row in yeah. Berlin. Yeah, they're they're uh, looking in trouble, man. And it's not been against good teams either. I mean, albeit Dortmund have not lost a game this season, but also they lost um, to Dortmund, but then they lost to like Heidenheim or Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg, <laughs> Leipzig, Darmstadt. But yeah, yeah, not good for Union Berlin. No, um, and you know. We, if you check out our last episode, our two players to watch uh, might have scored the two opening goals. I mean, the first goal <laughs> for Borussia Dortmund, Nicholas Fulkrug, with uh, he's in, in, instrumental in their attack in this one, but he scored their first goal, followed up his own save shot, which was saved brilliantly, by the yes, way. Yes, it was. And just powered it home off the post. And then Robin Gosens had a decent game. But he would equalize just two minutes later off a deflected header. 
Yeah, I'm surprised they gave him the goal, if I'm being honest. I thought they would have called too. it a Fulkerg OG. I thought so, too, but... Maybe, maybe it was going too. on target, yeah. Maybe maybe they're feeling generous. I don't know. Leonardo, Leonardo Benucci would put Union ahead from the spot in the 31st minute. Do you think it was a penalty kick? I don't. I don't I, I don't. So, yeah, the, the striker... I think Barons or something is his name. He goes across the ball. And so when his follow through, like he kicks the ball and then his follow through hits Hummels, the bottom of his foot. And Hummels doesn't move his foot over to, no. you know, to the ball. This, he lifts this, it up to block the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, and it was already out there. And then the attacker kicks the bottom of Hummels shoe. I did not think it was a penalty. I thought that was harsh. No, if that happens anywhere else on the field, it's not even a foul. I didn't think it was a foul. Yeah. <laughs> So, why would it be a penalty kick? At least it's not just England. We'll say that. But from there, it was all Borussia Dortmund as they would score three unanswered, starting with a wonderful peach oh, of a thunderbolt from Nicholas Schlotterbach in the 49th minute. He was from the deep. From the deep. Yeah. Absolute beauty. laser beam into the top corner. And then the super sub, Julian Brunt, came on to make it three for Dortmund just five minutes later off of a fantastic counterattack. I mean, the camera couldn't even pan to Marco Royce fast enough (laughs) as the guy just scissor kicked it out. He took the ball, dribbled all the way down the field. Two amazing runs, slots it to Julian Brandt, who puts away a tidy finish. I will say Marco Royce had a fantastic game. He did. He did. Mr. Borussia Dortmund. Rolling back the years. Yeah. And then former Union Berlin player Julian Ryerson would finish off a much-needed three points for their fourth in the 71st minute. Gio Reyna providing the cross, which was parried directly into his path. Put a shot on target. Unfortunately, it was deflected, but looked like it was going in no matter what. Good to see Gio Reyna back. That was his first appearance so far this season. Yeah, it's it's always good to see him back, especially, you know, any young player around the world. But, I mean, for us Americans, it's always good to see one of our own coming back from injury and playing well, especially uh, a talent such as his. And all the drama that surrounded him in the U.S. national team lately. Yeah, especially. Well, we'll probably cover that at some point again because I'm sure that saga is not over since the same coach is still there. Next up, we had Atletico Madrid against Real Sociedad. This one ended 2-1. Real Sociedad can feel hard done by this one as a uh, late penalty kick dooms them to another loss to Los Che. But Samuel Lino, man, have you watched him much this season? No, I have not. I he is. I've watched stud. Atletico a couple times, but that that's about it. He is a stud, man. Watching him on the ball, it's like old school Brazilian football. There's just magic at his feet. But he got the match off to a flying start. He blasted a shot into the net, giving Atleti the lead. Excuse me, in the 22nd minute, caught the keeper at the near post. Nice finish. Yeah, he did. And then uh, Mikel, is it? Orasabo. Yeah, uh, finished off one of the quickest counterattacks I've ever seen in my entire life 
as Sociedad go from defending to the ball in the back of the net in five touches. It was this boom, quick little triangle along the line. I uh, said it. Who was it? Fernandez is that? Is the Carlos player. Fernandez? Yeah. Carlos Fernandez played a fantastic ball to uh, Oyer Sabal. Yeah, who finished it off? And he did have one hell of a shot or a golazo. Would have been the crossbar. Would have been. been the crossbar in that one. Um, our players to watch: Eva Morata had a quiet game. Missed some chances. Uh, he will probably kick himself thinking he should have scored. And then Takafuzo Kubo was lively all match. I mean, his ability on the ball and his vision. So quick. Man. I will watch every single game that he starts in just to watch that. <clears throat> he is fun to watch. I don't think he lasts at Sociedad very much longer. No, I don't either. And Real Madrid are probably kicking themselves if they let him go. But. Yeah, Antoine Griezmann. to do that with a lot of players, but... Yeah, I guess. Martin Odegaard as well. Uh, Antoine Griezmann would provide the winner in the 89th minute through a penalty kick. Oh, that was a clear one, so... I will say, Atletico looked good in the first half, and then they just kind of ran out of steam. Yeah, it was odd. They didn't. They weren't trying to sit back either, which... No, not, not the first... The, like I said, the first half, they were creating chances, they looked good, and then tide turned in the second. Yeah, but Sociedad unable to get it get it going. Yep. And then we had the two massive games in England. And how would this fledgling title race pan out after this weekend? We had Brighton and Liverpool. This one ended two uh, two. And I'll be honest with you, it was a pretty even match. I would say. I would say it was a tale of two halves. So yeah. ironically. Liverpool scored both their goals in the first half, but I would say didn't look the better team. Yeah. But Brighton I mean, looked like looked the aggressor, I would say, in that game. You know, they can't, they got off early. Adingra got a goal. McAllister got caught on the ball. Allison, poor positioning, I would say. Yeah. Didn't yeah, look I like in so. much of a hurry to get back into goal after he passed it, <laughs> passed it out. But fantastic finish by Dingra. And then it was kind of almost Brighton shooting themselves in a foot in the foot. Trying to play out. Liverpool pressed. Bad passes by Brighton. Means a turnover in their half. And when you got a player like Mosala, man, that's that's a dangerous game to play. Yep. Mosala scored the first one and then Sabotzalai got fouled. In the box, oh, okay. Mosala yeah. steps up, takes it. Is I, Mosala like, the best penalty kick taker in the world right now? No. Every time he steps up, seemingly, he doesn't miss. I mean, he missed one against Arsenal, but... He missed one against Bournemouth as well. Oh, well, I forgot about that one. So, I'll retract that statement. <laughs> okay, bye. Um, yeah, I mean, and then a wonderful free kick... Allows Lewis Dunk to head one in to level it, but that would leads me right into our players to watch and our matchups to watch because Liverpool's right back, who was Joe Gomez, against at that point Trent yeah, yeah, had been subbed against Kiro Matoma, and Matoma just tore up Gomez, pretty much turning him around in a circle. 
or like on top even to win the free kick because Trent kept him pretty quiet though. He did, he did. But I mean, you put Joe Gomez on against Matoma, who is like the Energizer Bunny out there. Tore up Joe Gomez. Always looking to dribble at you. And then, yeah, we said a stupid out against Salah, but he didn't play. And Salah's been an absolute terror all season. So, got another brace. Good for him. I have a question that's probably for another episode, but I'm going to ask it now anyways. All right. Who was better in the Premier League, Mo Salah or Cristiano Ronaldo? In the Prem, probably Mo Salah. How many goals did Ronaldo score in the Prem? I guess would be my question versus Salah. Um, I think total for Manchester United was like 160. I know Salah's beating him by like 30-some-odd goals and a plethora of assists. So... It's the assist, I think, is what does it for me. Oh, and his vision, too. Like, some of the balls he plays. You're like, how did you even see that? Like, seeing his angle for Luis Diaz's goal earlier in the season, where he played it across the defense. Yeah, so here we go. So for Manchester United on his first stint, he scored 118. On his second stint, he scored 27. So, 145? That's that's a lot of goals, man. Yeah. Most all right, let me look at most solid real quick. 190. Well, plus two. For uh, Liverpool. Yeah, 192 plus the couple for Chelsea. Yeah. And no one cares about that. I think it's the assists, man. That Salah has. Yeah. So, anyways, I was curious. I think Mo Salah is a much better player in the Prem than Ronaldo was. But But let us know. Who would you take? Who's the better player in the Prem? Only the Premier League. Exactly. Only the Ronaldo in La Liga. It's a whole nother animal. But, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Ryan Gravenberch. Should have had his first goal for Liverpool. Should have. Mm-hmm. And João Pedro also should have won it for Brighton. So, I think to the you know I think it was a fair result in the fair, end. Fair, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then on to the big match of the weekend. Last year's tr- treble winners against the team that should have won the title but crumbled under the pressure at the end of the season. And yes, it does pain me to say that. I wouldn't say should. I I will say could have won the title, but crumbled. (laughs) Okay, we'll go with that. Change it. Yeah. Anyways, in a game that wasn't what everyone was expecting due to suspensions and injuries, it was still a chess match nonetheless as Arsenal came out 1-0 winners in this battle of the master against the apprentice, and it did not lack any drama as Arsenal get their first win against Manchester City in eight years. Manchester City lost two games for the first time in five years. years. Yeah. So let's go through the players who were injured or not at full fitness in this match. 
We had Bukayo Saka. Did not play. Wasn't on the bench. Kevin De Bruyne, we all know, was injured. Gabriel Martinelli, Thomas Partey, Jack Grealish, and John Stones, all not at full fitness, but all on the bench. Rodri was suspended. That's a lot of game-changing players to be out. Yeah. So before we get into this, I will say the game at the Etihad, as long as all of these players are fit and not suspended, will look much different. It has that potential. I was curious about the lineups. So Arsenal, they played Gabriel Jesus on the right side, where Saka usually plays, and they started Eden Ketia and Leandro Trossard up top. But it was Jorginho came in to that midfield. Which yeah, it played along Rice as two holding midfielders, allowing which I Odegaard like that because it allowed Odegaard to be a real number 10. Yes, and I loved it as well. I don't, I mean, when this Arsenal squad is at full strength, you have to start Thomas Partey and Declan Rice in that role with Odegaard playing as a true number 10. You have to, if you're Arsenal. I'll get into that more later. Yeah, I don't know if you have to. Against a team like City, yes. A team like Liverpool, yes. A team like... yes. Boardmouth, no. probably. Well, okay. But I will say City also surprised me with their lineup. I was hoping to see Jeremy Doku get the start. I was too. Maybe for Kovacic or uh, Rico Lewis. And it was interesting that Bernardo Silva started in that Rodri role, that defensive yeah. midfield role. Yeah, it was it was an interesting choice. I mean, he was, you know, pinging balls over the place, kind of like Rodri did. But he lacks that physical presence that Rodri has. Yes. I will give That's- Rico Lewis props, and probably why Pep started him was because of the game he had against Leipzig, which he had a game and a half, probably their best player on the field. But, I just wanted to see Doku run at Ben White, man. Oh, I did too, and I'll get into that later too. Because Ben White got the better of him when he was on the field. But Kovacic was suspect all game. I agree. He probably should not have started. Should we just jump into it then with Kovacic? Nah, no. I want to okay. get into the David Raya and Aaron Ramsdale debate. because It continues, because David Raya started, and he... Had some questionable moments. He was, I would say in the first half, he was poor. Very poor. With his feet, yeah. Yeah. Almost got an argument for me. Julian Alvarez. A lot of the long balls he were playing, there was nobody around. They were going out of bounds. Yeah. He was absolutely poor in the first half. And I'll be honest, I was yelling at the TV. I was. We all were, man. Why the F is Aaron Ramsdale not playing? Second half, I'll give him credit. His balls were a lot better. He helped dictate play. He slowed it down a lot. So that part was good. But, I mean, you need someone who's going to be consistent for both halves. And I know Mikel Arteta is a huge fan of him, yes. But I'm a huge fan of Aaron Ramsdale. So I don't make the decision, so I'm not going to argue. All right. Now we can get into the Kovacic situation because this one, I don't. I'm going to start it off by saying I know Mark Clattenburg does not give red cards for two yellows. He doesn't do it. I think I saw a stat where he's given like two red cards for two yellows in the last like 116 games. 
That being said, let's start with the first tackle because so Mark Clattenburg's the he's a pundit that? now, correct? He's Sorry, an old not ref. Mark Clattenburg. It was whoever the ref was. Yeah, Michael Oliver. That I was believe it. was the yeah. Anyways, Mark Clattenburg said that the first tackle should have been a red card. Anyways. Yes, he's a pundit on ESPN. Yeah, which leads me to the first tackle because it was very similar, if not worse. Then the one that Curtis Jones had last week, where he got sent off. I don't think it was worse. I didn't think it was a red either, though. He caught him lower than Curtis Jones. He wasn't uh, high for on me, the shin. He for was, me, it was, he was the, on the foot. The action of the leg and the force put into it. Curtis he Jones. He caught him low, though. Anyways, there is an argument to be had. Yes. It was a yellow. Maybe, like, very close orange. to being a red, yeah. <laughs> orange if card there was such a thing. I don't. It was like a high, high tier yellow card is what they were saying during the match. Yeah, I was yelling at the TV, so I didn't care. Uh, anyways, the second tackle. Two minutes later, however, two minutes later on, on Declan, Declan Rice, where he's coming from behind him, slides to his side and catches his foot. Not really studs, near the ball at again, all. Studs cut studs. his foot. Studs caught his foot yet again. By the letter of the law, that is a yellow card. Should have been. Which would equal a second yellow, which would have been a red. But nothing was given, and he just waved him off like, no, I'm not giving him a card. And because I think of that. I lucky Arsenal won this game. Otherwise, yeah. I think that would be looked at a lot. I agree. A lot harder. Yeah, and Michael Oliver should be thinking his lucky stars. Uh, but because there was no card, VAR couldn't intervene at all. So that's why there was no red card. So getting into the goal. Masterclass of substitutions by Arteta. That's what it is, man. It really was, man. He brings on (laughs) Thomas Partey, Kai Havertz, and Takahiro Tamiyasu at the same time, but Martinelli at halftime. And Martinelli has Arsenal's only two shots on target in this game, in this match. But it's literally a long ball from Thomas Partey that's headed to Kai Havertz from Tomiyasu, who I still don't understand why he was he that far shoot. up the field. <laughs> yeah, right. He was playing like a center forward, yeah, man. I know, he really was. And then Kai Havertz with an absolutely beautiful ball, laying it off layoff, Martinelli yep. to just power that ball first time. Hits Nathan Ake in the, in the face. face. In the face. And I don't Straight think to the he dome. Knew, I don't think he knew anything about oh, it. Oh, he didn't, man. He hit him square in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets deflected, and Ederson just puts his arms up and watches it go into the net. What a masterclass by Mikel Arteta. I screamed so loud when that went in. I'll be honest, I'll tell you exactly where I was. I was supposed to go help someone move a dryer and I was in my car and then they said they moved it. So I was walking back into the house and I was watching it on my phone and I ran face first into the door yelling and celebrating. My phone went (laughs) up in the air. People on the street are looking at me. I had to turn around like, Oh, I'm sorry. Don't worry about me. My girlfriend comes running up to the door and is like, are you okay? I'm like, no, Arsenal scored. 
<laughs> no, I'm more than okay. I'm more than okay. But yeah, what a sequence of events that was. <laughs> Mine was well, in the that game awesome. and for me. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was more like I screamed into the couch cushion and just punched it a bunch. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. same, but different, but still same. But yeah, what a goal it was, and you could see what it meant for Arsenal as their Ooh. bet cleared. Everybody's in the corner celebrating with Gabby, and man, what a moment it was. And I'll be honest with you, in the match, especially in that second half, it is exactly what Arsenal deserved. They were the, again, the aggressors, the one pushing for that goal. Man, City looked flat, man. They did not create much at all. Erling Holland is counting down the days until Kevin De Bruyne comes back. I can tell you that much right now. He is starving for some service. Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva. That was the big thing in this match is Erling Holland got literally zero service whatsoever. Oh, yeah. And then when he would have a sniff of the ball... William Saliba just put him in his pocket, man. <laughs> or on I the will, ground. One of the I will two. say, in this game, Saliba, man, he looked the best defender in the world. I, I There is definitely an argument there. You One I of the best wait, for sure. I will wait for somebody to prove me wrong. So please, do so in the comments. I welcome it. Yeah, William Saliba, man, he's quick, he's got strength, and he makes smart decisions. Not only that, is he is the most cool and collected defender I've ever seen. No panic ever from that man. I've seen him dribble out of two, three players in front of him, and then dribble all the way upfield. Like he he is a one of a kind Rolls Royce of a defender. And Unai Emery, thank you so much. That's all you gonna say. <laughs> Those two years in France, man. I know they were frustrating for you Arsenal fans and us, but. It's definitely paid it's off. It's definitely paid off. And I would argue that with him being in the squad last season, I think Arsenal could have won that that title. As you said, they should have won. Yes, 100%. But let's go back to Erling Holland, man. Uninspired, didn't even try to really get back. I understand Pep wants him to stay forward, but didn't even try to get himself involved. He looked uninspired in this one, as did the rest of the City squad. Do you think that in the league this season, they just don't care? It's tough to say because we kind of saw this last year as well at the beginning of the season. And then after that World Cup break, we saw, man, they just didn't lose a game. Yeah. But I mean, first half of the season, Erling Holland was putting in goals like it was. I mean, he's still putting in goals. Is it record-breaking goals? No, but we kind of suspected he wouldn't have another record-breaking season but again it's still early is the thing they got going for them i mean we're only eight games in we are and you know a lot of this these reactions in the grand scheme of things it might not matter any bit that arsenal won this game like in reality i really don't care about the table much until maybe 10 or 15 games are played then it's like okay we're we're seeing where teams are starting to place in that table yeah I mean, for City, for me, though, I mean, there was no ruthlessness from them. I mean, Nathan Ake missed a, I mean, it was a stretch of a chance, but it was an open chance. 
And they seem to be a bit of arrogance about their play. I mean, even Erling Holland was quoted afterwards as saying they pretty much just came to play their football when this Arsenal side has gaping weaknesses, as we've seen this season. And they didn't nullify their strengths either. So, I mean, is this a a player's mentality thing or is this a pep thing? It could be coming off a treble thing. It could be missing your best, your two best two. midfielders in yeah. Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri thing. I mean, those are huge losses that I think would affect any team. Well, then let me pose a question to you because we've known Kevin De Bruyne has been out, but we've seen some magnificent performances from City this season. Is Rodri the most important player in the City side? It's looking like it. Because, yeah. I mean, you think about their defense, they got. A crap ton of fantastic defenders. Gavardi, Akanji, Ake, Kyle Walker. John Stones. <laughs> John Stones. <laughs> Ruben Diaz. <laughs> so, I mean, they got they got plenty there. You know, up forwards, they got Holland, they got Alvarez. Wings, Doku, you got Foden, Grealish. Grealish, Doku. Yeah. The midfield, I mean, Bernardo Silva, Calvin Phillips. Rodri. Kevin De Bruyne, Rodri. Bruyne, and then Kovacic. Matthias Nunez. Rico Lewis, I guess. Matthias, yeah. Well, I don't know why he didn't play either. That's a whole nother question. But, so. Yeah. They're definitely missing Rodri. And then to the other side of the coin, we have Arsenal, who we could see how much this win meant to them. I mean, just to, I mean, not harp anymore on William Saliba, but like how good were the Arsenal center backs in this game? Oh, they were. Yeah, Saliba was fantastic. Gabriel did good. I thought even Zinchenko did pretty well defensively. Yeah, Tomiyasu helped on the goal, was good defensively, and Ben White took Jeremy Doku to school. Declan Rice had a fantastic role in that defense, had one of the best tackles I've ever seen. Jorginho even had a good game, and yes, Declan Rice with that tackle. Holy crap. Jorginho, man, I don't know. I swear, every time he has to run, he looks like he struggles. Like, he puts his head down, and he tries so hard. Just He's just slow. Just for this little run, but like he has to do yeah. it like every time he sprints. That was, that yeah. was hilarious. But just to back up your William Saliba comment, I mean, he won 100% of his ground duels, 97% pass accuracy, even with City pressing him, 100% of his aerial duels won. And then the best stat of them all to back up, I wait for anyone to tell me a better defender, is he has yet to be dribbled past all season. All season. And most of last season. What? <laughs> you must have known I was going to say he's the one of the best defenders. Oh, yeah. You were ready 100%. for that comment, weren't you? Yep. Yeah, two minds think alike. But yeah, this Arsenal squad, man, could this win propel them to the next level? I mean, Declan Rice propelled them to a new level, but I feel like this was the monkey that needed to be taken off their backs. Um, It's tough to say. If one win can really boost them to the next level, I think it would take a series of performances. You know, a couple more convincing wins, a nice win in the Champions League. Though I think those kind of things, yes, can then give you some momentum. I mean, it's obviously it's a win is better than if they lost this game. Yeah. Oh no, not again. But we've seen teams, man, get a big win and then come back to reality real quick. Like that Liverpool thumping of Manchester United. 
they came down to ground real quick in the next game. Yeah. Where I believe they drew. I think they drew. So. Well, I mean, even Newcastle this week, right? They thumped PSG. Drew West Ham. And so that's that's kind of this thing is, you know, emotions run high, adrenaline's high, and then it's, it's tough to get that back. But they have an international break coming up, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, Targo, I will give you credit. You did beat me this week. You did. I did. Whether it's by one or one and a half, because I said for the Arsenal game, if Saka starts, Arsenal would win, if not draw. So I gave myself a half a point. So you (laughs) win by one and a half. We're all tied for the season with three wins apiece and two draws. So, All right. My comeback is complete then, just about. Just about. All right. Well, let's move on to this VAR controversy. VAR and the sad state of human error that's going on in this and how can bruise and banter fc redbeard and targo make it better well we're gonna tell you we're gonna give you a few ways on how var can be better why don't you go ahead friend and tell me your number three way you would make it better okay well before we get into that i just want to you know come kind of come back to last weekend and why this whole conversation started right because of the whole Liverpool Tottenham. Luis Diaz was on sides and they called him offsides and VAR confirmed that he was on sides and they didn't do anything about it. But not only that, uh independent panel found that Diego Jota was should not have been sent off either for his second yellow. Just saying. Uh there was seven mistakes last week. If you want me to tell you all of them, I can. We got Luis Diaz incorrect goal for offsides, Diego Jota's second yellow. Villa's second versus Brighton when Nicolo Zaniolo was in the line of vision for Brighton's goalkeeper. Brentford was denied a clear penalty. I disagree with that one. I think that was a goal. This is not me saying this. So this is not opinion. This is the panel's opinion. Um, yeah. So the Brentford those were... one that you're talking about, Matt Turner fouling uh, Johan Visa. Johan Visa. Yeah. That was a foul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that with that being said, yes. Uh, what are my observations on this or how would I change it? Or should we just get rid of it? Well, my number three, I, uh, because the NFL was in London this week, (laughs) have the ref go pitch side to the monitor for every single VAR intervention. It's not going to take much longer. It's not because they sit there and the ref's like, uh, uh, uh uh-uh. uh wait for like five minutes every single time but i'm talking every single one these refs are in shape they can run to the sideline and back that's a little much it would fix it there would be no miscommunication because the ref who is watching the whole game would see every incident broken down exactly how var is doing it and there would be no miscommunication they do it in the nfl Ref makes the final decision, but discusses it with the entire team where there is no mistakes. There's also commercials in the NFL. There's no commercials yeah, well, the NFL, in football. I'm only talking about this part. Football in America in general, American football, is dumb. They play 60 minutes of football and it takes them four hours to play a game because of commercials and stoppages. So I don't want to get into that. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you one of mine then, because it's kind of similar to what the NFL does. Okay. It's the refs having to announce to the stadium the calls they make. Hmm. So, stopping nonetheless and announcing. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be a real-time conversation between the referee, the viewers, and the people in the stadium. I think this would definitely make them more accountable for their decisions. It also might, they might be forced to take more time on it because of that. Well, I mean, in that Luis Diaz situation, I'd rather have it take an extra 15, 20 seconds than a goal not be allowed. Yeah. And so that that was one way that I thought they could make it better is keep them accountable, man. Have them announce their decisions to the 60,000 people surrounding them and to the millions watching on and TV. The millions and the millions. Anyways, I couldn't help myself. Uh, but I do have one to add on to that, too, is, you know, why not just allow them to bring play back? If they that, make a mistake, yeah. stop play. Just stop it right there and say, we were wrong. It's not one of my things to change, but it should be. Anyways. Okay, my number two. Just fucking get rid of it. Soccer and football has been around for hundreds of years without it. We've only started to get mad at it since it got invented, and they couldn't figure out how to use it properly. So just get rid of it. It worked just fine. Or just give it a limited capacity for use. More off-the-ball incidents and goal-line technology. We had that before VAR. Just keep, go back to that. Yeah, and I think if you do that, I think you need to start paying these refs more. I mean, these referees right now... pay these referees more and train them more, as yes. is. But I do agree with that. Because these refs are making what somewhere between forty and sixty-five thousand a year. They should and be so, making more, like four hundred to six hundred thousand a year. I, I wouldn't say that much. But. <laughs> the amount of stick and death threats they get, yes, I think so. The Premier League can afford to pay them that much. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? So one of my ideas was to have ex-players in the VAR room. That is a thought. I've heard that in a couple of other places, and it's not a bad argument. So, for example, in that Wolves-Manchester United game, VR didn't find it necessary that Onana had fouled that, I can't remember, the Wolves player, but when he came out, clattered into the Wolves player, missed the ball completely. Punched him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I think an ex-player in the room could say, hey, yeah, yeah, that's a foul. Yeah. I think a player, when Matt Turner kicks... Johan Visa would say, yeah, that's a foul. Or, I know this one was kind of on the fence, so we would still have some controversy, but that Curtis Jones red card, I've heard mixed reviews on that one. Yeah, there would at least be more than one opinion, and it would be a player, so you get more of the process of the thoughts behind. And, I mean, you can train these players to the rules and things like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think the one thing we just want to see also is just more consistency, man. 100%. These refs need to get in a room together and talk about what's a handball, what's a foul, what's a red card. Apparently, what's a goal. (laughs) That too. (laughs) But the consistency, better communication amongst each other. And yeah, because I don't agree with you. I don't think they should abolish VAR. I do think they should keep it. 
I I don't think they should get rid of it. I just think it's a thing to do. Like if you want an option, that is one. I mean, we we there were a lot of missed calls and a lot of offsides that should have been, or a lot of onside calls that should have been offsides, vice versa. Yeah. And and so yeah, so. it's those black or white things that we don't want to see messed up. Obviously, a foul, a handball that can always be up to interpretation, varies from person to person. And so there there will always be those sort of lapses, I guess. And mm-hmm. but I know you and I, our number one is this is the same. Basically, it's the automated offsides, like we had at the World Cup. That's in the Champions League. I love it in the Champions League, man. You see the yeah. animation. You see which part of his body is offside. It happens so much quicker. But not only, Premier League not clubs that, voted it but down. You, you understand it. And that is what I don't understand, is that the Premier League voted it down. It's not hard to implement, because you just take Champions League model and implement it in England. Install the technology. Bada bing, bada boom. It's done. So I don't get it. Could have had this all along, but you're too damn stubborn. Stupid clubs. Liverpool fans wouldn't be complaining. Arsenal fans wouldn't be complaining. Brentford, I mean, I go down the whole table pretty much. You, Everybody's you really complaining. <laughs> Everybody's been complaining. Bit in the ass by VAR. Yeah. Everyone's complaining. Some more than others. But nonetheless, it would fix the problem and we could have been without this complaining the whole time but yeah man that brings us to the end of this episode Whew, this was a this was a fun one talking about how we could fix var arsenal get a big win against manchester city united late comeback and stoppage time to beat brentford make sure you guys like subscribe to the youtube hit that, channel hit that notification bell As always, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, join our Facebook group. Let us know your thoughts on how VAR can be fixed. But on that note, man, thank you guys for listening. As always, cheers.